Right, I've had my Weetabix this morning and I'm ready to go because I've managed to drag Nikki Barry onto the podcast. So, Nikki, thank you so much for agreeing to this. Have you been fed? Are you watered? Have you done your vocal warm-ups? Are you set to go? <laughs> I am, uh, yeah, just fed and watered and up. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not a morning person generally. Um, Are you working theatre? No. Who is? <laughs> Well, we have, I mean, that's the thing. We have to be sometimes, don't we? The whole stupid rehearsal process when you've actually got to get up in the morning. Um, but yeah, I am uh, up and ready. That's a dilemma for me if, is when I hear if there's a, a six-week rehearsal period and we're like, mm, can, I, can I do that? <laughs> I don't know, it's hard. Uh, but yeah. Nikki, for, for those that don't know, your sort of main unviable role in theatre is in stage management and more... Um, in the deputy stage manager role. So can you just explain a bit about what you do in that job? So, um, different roles, obviously, during the rehearsal process and during the actual performance process. Um, So during rehearsals, the DSM generally is responsible for noting down a lot of the blocking um, for the cast passes on any information that comes out of rehearsals to all of the relevant departments. So lighting, sound, props, set, production management. We are the ones who collect all that information and pass it on at the end of the day um, and then tear our hair out when nobody responds to your uh, rehearsal notes. Um, And generally looking after the rehearsal room. Then when we go into tech and into performance, the DSM is so responsible for what we say calling the show, which um, basically means that the DSM has all of the information regarding the cues in a prompt copy in a book. So I would have the script and the score if I'm doing a musical. And every time the lights change or you hear a sound effect or a piece of the set moves, the DSM is the one who tells those departments when to do it so that we have consistency um, over the performances so that one person is basically in control of uh, that side of the show very succinct so did you did you train to become uh, a dsm Uh, i yes um i started off with a b-tech in performing arts um because i used to dance um i didn't used to sing um (laughs) had to um Don't Cry For Me Argentina was a terrible, terrible choice to sing when we had to do a little bit of everything. Especially when you get to the, there's a whole like chorus that's just humming. So I stand in front front of your college mate going, (laughs) (laughs) is a terrible experience. And that put you off performing, did it? I mean, pretty much. Nobody said, Nikki, don't do that one. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I did a B-Tech in Performing Arts, and then I did a HND in Theatre and Media Production at Newcastle College. Um, and I had become interested in stage management at, uh, whilst doing the B-Tech. And then when I was at Newcastle, um, I sort of took on that 
I was the only one really who was interested in doing it. So, and we were lucky enough that our college was attached to the Tyne Theatre and Opera House. So whenever we did our uh, productions with the musical theatre course, we were in a fully working theatre um, as opposed to a studio or whatever that a lot of the expensive drama schools have. Um, so yeah, so I got more into it then, um, but never went to drama school, never did any of the big drama schools, couldn't afford it. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting about being attached to the theatre in Newcastle. I think it's so important to, you know, especially from a young age, be involved in a sort of fully working theatre. Yeah, I mean, years years ago now, I did a job for Mountview, um, and it was their final year acting course. And the only production in two years that they've got to do in a proper proper theatre was at the Judy Dench. I don't know if this is, because I think the college has moved now, but all of their shows had been in a classroom until mm. this one that we did, which was just in a small studio space. And and I was really surprised at the, the lack of understanding that that year course had of how theatre actually works. You know, they're spending thousands a year. Um, and one of them asked if stage management pick their jobs by picking straws because I seem to do so much more than the ASM because they had no understanding that the ASM was out trying to find all the Russian props that they needed and stuff. So it was, that was a real surprise to me. Um, and actually I felt really lucky that I had gone to a college that had um, the facilities that we, we had with that theatre. Yeah, definitely. Um, so talking about, your variety of work over sort of plays and musicals. What have you worked on? I have been really lucky, I think, in my career, because I think sometimes in stage management, you can get pigeonholed like you do as a performer. Um, and if you only do plays, it's sometimes hard to get into musicals. So I've been lucky enough to do a lot of musicals. Um, I've done Panto for years, haven't done it now for a long time, but um i've done dance with uh, i've done a couple of shows for matthew bond's new adventures um i've also worked as a company stage manager for saddler's wells for some of their in-house stuff i did the breaking convention a few years ago um and i've done a lot of plays as well um i've done one opera never do one of them again that's not my cup of tea um <laughs> but i've done it tick that one's done yeah um leave that so, to the yeah, professionals so, yeah, oh my God. And it was in Norway as well. Um, that was a really interesting job. Um, but yeah, so I've been really lucky in that respect. And it's, it is quite funny in that um, often the grass is always greener. So when I'm doing a play, I want to be doing a musical. And then when I'm doing a musical, I'm like, oh God, I'd just love a little two-hander yeah. in a box set. <laughs> <laughs> so you've covered so many fields. So what are the challenges that you'd find working on a musical or working on a or the differences between working on a musical and then a play and then working on a dance performance um certainly sort of doing the first show i did for uh, matt bourne was um nutcracker quite a few years ago now and learning uh, to call the show with a pure score you know with no lyrics to refer to at any point was really scary for the first time um and I'll always say to everybody, I don't read music, but I follow it really well. Um, I'm coming from, I mean, I used to dance from being tiny up to sort of like 17. 
So I'm quite musical in that respect. So it, it, I managed it all right, but God, it's, yeah, it's really scary when all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, there's no lyrics to refer to. What happens if I get lost in the middle of something? Um, <laughs> And, and alongside that as well is that the, there's different rules in the dance world, you know, temperatures are different um, because of the where they have to look after their bodies. Um, they generally do your hours are longer because they do a class, a full class before a show and stuff, but they also work incredibly hard, incredibly hard. Um, then with plays, quite often the, um, the process that the actors go through is different, can be quite, uh, can be a lot more intense. Um, I did a play at the Tricycle um, a few years ago now um, called Broken Glass, um, which is a classic, apparently. Um, Sorry, was that, to... was that with Anthony Cher? Yeah. Yeah, so weirdly, I... I depth as a, a lighting board operator when I was at drama oh, school, and when it was in it, town. When it was in town, yeah. And um, looking back, if anything went wrong, I mean, my lighting skills are appalling. So I was very lucky that <laughs> nothing went wrong. But yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting show. Yeah, sadly, I didn't get to do it in town because it was a little while after we'd done it at the Young Vic that it transferred. But I did get to go and see it. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, with, with people like um, Tony, um, he, <laughs> he, has, he has a very set way of working. Yes, um, he, yes, he does. And you, and you have to accommodate that. Luckily, yeah. I got on with him really, really well. Um, when I went to see it in town, he saw me at the party afterwards and came and gave me a massive hug. And the company manager was like, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> But he was great. I I really liked him. But yeah, he's you know he he always had to come in and do his warm up before everybody else. He liked he he did his vocal on his own before everyone else. And and also I mean oh god I remember we did nearly two weeks of table work. So we I were I had to, and I wasn't allowed to join in on that one. I wasn't allowed to ask questions. So we had two weeks of me sitting silently. Oh uh, Whilst they discussed everything in. Uh, in depth um i mean a lot of it so interesting but then a lot of it really boring mm, yeah not allowed to ask questions and get involved um and then musicals you know it's just people uh dotting around having a laugh singing tits and teeth right absolutely my kind of show <laughs> so what musicals uh what musicals have you worked on uh if i work backwards so the last well, I've depped. Uh, I did a, I did uh, like 15 months of depping. I took a break from doing shows. So I depped at Mormon um, and at Mamma Mia. Then as DSM, I before that, I did Young Frankenstein. Um, uh, I did Never Forget, the Take That musical, not the official one, um, but that was a lot of fun. Um, Scottsboro Boys, which I did at the Young Vic and then transferred into the West End. Um, oh my god I mean my CV I was like 20 odd years now I find it very yeah. difficult to remember everything <laughs> what's, uh, what's one of the shows that you're most proud of oh Scottsboro Boys without a doubt um, it was it was an incredible piece to work on um, 
you know, obviously at the moment we're going through this whole, we're not viable, our industry. And, um, and I get frustrated when you see, or you've seen people on TV talking about it and trying to stick up for us and then going, but we are, you know, we all need some fun and light in our lives. And that's what theatre is, but it's not, it's a lot more than that. And the Scottsboro Boys was one of those musicals that proves you can tell a massively important story um, and quite a horrific story through music. Um, and you can get that story across just as well as you, if not better sometimes in, in a musical, because what Scottsboro Boys did a lot was that it would have you laughing, it would pick you up and you'd be laughing along with them. And then the next second you are punched in the gut by the fact that this 12 year old boy is being taken to the electric chair. And that makes your, you know, your emotions at an extreme, which is highly effective. So we can do a lot more than just cheer people up with musicals. So that, that show was really special. And we found out whilst we were um, at the Young Vic, I think, so the first leg of the job, that the, uh, all of the nine Scottsboro boys had been officially pardoned for the first time. So that was, that was, uh, really special particularly yeah. for, for the cast who were, were telling this story so yeah i think that's that's up there i think and it was Boys. a really sort of for you it was a really wonderful call as well wasn't it because i i've oh. just remembered that i um <laughs> did sort of i sat on the book with you to watch you call it and it was yeah, I mean, you, you, did. were, you didn't stop talking which isn't you know like yeah. you nikki so uh <laughs> it was it was a yeah it was brilliant because the music you know you can't be Kandra and Ebb. Um, the music was fantastic. It was really just nice and solid call the whole way through because sometimes you want a, uh, a nice little break, but Scottsboro Boys just worked out beautifully the whole way through and, and it was so well lit. Um, yeah, it did look beautiful, that, didn't it? Yeah, that calling that show was incredibly satisfying um, from a DSM's point of view. Um, a little bit like uh, putting on the Ritz in Young Frankenstein, which was a horrific two minutes, um, but at the end was uh, incredibly satisfying. When yeah, that number. looks so good. So good. Uh, a lot of fun. So recently, during this COVID era, you've been very fortunate because you're working on Jesus Christ Superstar at Regent's Park. I mean, how did you find that coming back after quite a while and working on that? It was... We uh, it, we were all so incredibly lucky because um, I did JCS last year at the Barbican um, and it's one of my all-time favourite shows anyway. I have, I've done a different version of it before um, and this version of it, Tim and, and Drew's version, I think is just incredible. Um, so to get to do it last year was was brilliant and then to get the opportunity to do it this year was so special. Um, I mean, had I not been asked to do it, I think I would have cried for about four <laughs> weeks. The thought of the thought of not being there, you know, was yeah. would have yeah. Oh God, I couldn't. Have, yeah, that would have been tough. Um, so yeah, incredibly lucky. Um, it was as we've spoken about earlier, getting up in the morning, and now I live in Hitchin, you know, commuting getting to Regent's Park in the morning was uh, a bit of an effort, but so worth it. And it's, it's been a re it's been a really, really interesting process. There's, there's no two ways about it. You know, it's, uh, 
um, what we had to do and the things we had to think about were very, very different. Um, just putting all of those, keeping on top of uh, all the rules as they changed and keeping on top of that. I mean, we, <laughs> we permanently carried around a two meter and a three meter stick. Um, <laughs> so that during tech, when Ian, uh, Ian Andlaw, the uh, fabulous DSM Ian Andlaw was out front and young comms, you'd get, can somebody just get the two meter stick please and check between Stevie and Charlotte and then one of us <laughs> would appear his big stick and you're just sticking it between everybody just to make sure that we uh, you know we were keeping up with what we were supposed to do but I think um, so much respect for the park and for William Village and Tim Sheeder for taking the risk um, and putting this show on I think in the end they broke even which is phenomenal yeah definitely um, but it was a huge risk for them to take on and uh, i we all felt incredibly safe at all times. I mean, it helped that we were outdoors, obviously. Um, but we, stage management and all the technical staff backstage, we wore masks at all times. Um, I had gloves on most of the time, a lot of cleaning props every time I touched it, every time anybody else touched anything, everything got cleaned at least twice, you know, if not more often. But we kept... Uh, nobody really used anybody else's props. So it was all singular stuff, but it was just us keeping it clean in between, just in case, all of that kind of stuff. Keeping an eye on them all backstage, you know, all getting a bit overexcited. And uh, <laughs> the COVID police would come along and uh, get them separated. Um, and I think it would have been a lot harder had we not done the show previously, because there was only two people in the cast who had never done it before the rest of us had all been involved in it at some point over the last three variations and I think that really really helped us because we only had two weeks rehearsal yeah. and two, two days tech which had we not all been on top of it would have been really really hard work I mean it was hard work anyway um, but so worth it so worth it and the response we got from audiences was just incredible um, people thrilled to be back seeing something everybody saying how safe they felt front of house, how well looked after they all were. And I mean, we had, I think it was a maximum of like 396 in the audience, but it never felt like it was empty because the response was just something else. I mean, the last night was like being in a rock concert. I swear to God, <laughs> they were screaming at the first note of the overture. It was uh, quite, a, quite a night that last night. Um, and now I've gone into a deep, deep depression and uh, a bereavement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I um, uh, I was a very, very lucky girl. Yeah, it's, I think, you know, you might have had it harder that you've sort of had a taste of theatre again to then go back to this sort of, you know, normality of, you know, no, no theatre or, you know, a lot less theatre anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've I found it harder this time than at the beginning. I think because I wasn't on a show uh, when we went into lockdown, I had a lot of depping stuff booked in um, and I was due to be doing a, a tour for Sadler's Wells, but I wasn't on a show when it closed down and I had the joy of moving house and all of that to, to look forward to and, and stuff. But then to, yeah, to have this in, incredible experience on JCS and then that's finished 
and now I'm back sitting in the flat going, well, what's, what's next? Because I know that shows are starting to come back. Obviously, we've been negotiating the new West End variation and things are starting slowly to happen. But I think there's even more uncertainty for us freelancers who aren't attached to a show. You know, the, like me and you who do depping as well. Um, there's probably not going to be any depping for quite a while yeah Uh, so the people who are on the big shows in the west end who are are hopefully soon going to be getting back to work i think it's still quite a way off um before a lot of us freelancers who work on the short gigs or whatever are going to be seeing work um and at the minute i can't get a shock job so um, and you're both baby and you're both yeah but it will come back i think that's the sort of the positive no, isn't it? I guess oh, definitely. I mean, you the, you're never going to keep theatre down full time. It's it is going to come. It's coming back in in some ways, and it and it will come back properly eventually. It's it's just how long some of us can hang on, you know, um, as to whether because there, there are we know it. There are people leaving the industry now because. Um, they have kids to feed and a, a roof to keep over their head. And um, I think, sadly, we we are losing people from the industry who, who we shouldn't be. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's, it will be back. It's just, yeah, how long can some of us hang on? Um, yeah. But, Nikki, we need people like you to be calling the shows. <laughs> so you will be hanging on. And I think that's, yeah, I think that has come to the end of the episode. But I can't thank you enough for your sort of, you know, generally warm chat and, um, you know, your positive vibe. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, It's been nice to sit and have a chat today to someone other than my cat. <laughs> <laughs> He's not very funny, really, and he doesn't get my jokes. So this, no. is, uh, this has been really nice. Thank you. Thanks, Nikki. Thank